0: What's up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Friday, July 3rd, heading into the holiday weekend for you. But uh, we got to continue on with this fantasy team preview series, setting ourselves up hopefully for the start of training camp at the end of the month. I am still very hopeful that's going to happen. But of course we know. If we've learned anything from the last three months... Things can change very quickly, but I'm still pretty hopeful. So, anyway, today on the show, we are going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos. Two very interesting offenses for slightly different reasons, but a lot of sexy guys on these offenses, a lot of fantasy relevant players for sure. So, let's kick things off with the Dallas Cowboys. And I tell you what, Dak Prescott, over the first three years of his career, a. Low ceiling, but high floor guy, you know, a better than you realize guy for fantasy purposes, but not a guy with a high ceiling. In fact, last year, I actually designated him in my safe and upside approach as a safe option, (laughs) you know, and obviously I was wrong on that one, and that's one where I'm happy to be wrong because he showed a lot of upside, but it was really simple. I mean, when you look at his first three seasons, Shows ability as a runner, sure. Solid enough, so decent floor, but didn't really show a ceiling as a passer. I mean, it's 2018, 3,885 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, now just eight picks. So pretty solid across the board. Ranked as the number 12 fantasy quarterback the year before that. He was the number eight fantasy quarterback. So not sexy heading into last year, but solid. And solid is good. Solid is very good. Well, Dak took a big step forward. The offense really seemed to click last year. And I think I should address the offense before I go any further. So yes, the clapper, Jason Garrett, he's out. He's out, right? Mike McCarthy's in. But let's be clear about this. Just because Mike McCarthy is the head coach does not mean now that this offense is going to be a Mike McCarthy offense, because the team actually retained, the organization retained offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, and I'm going to give a lot of the credit for the explosion this team had on the offensive side of the ball to Kellen Moore. There is continuity here, so if anybody out there is telling you, oh, well, you know, running backs don't do very well in Mike McCarthy offense. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. There's a continuity here. You're going to see basically the same offense, and we know the team is prioritizing offense because they addressed it in the first round with CeeDee Lamb, and we'll talk about C.D. in a minute here, but as far as Dak is concerned, I don't see any indication for us to say that last year was a fluke. Now, he did fade a little bit down the stretch. So let's be clear about that. Week 13, he was number 11. Week 14, number 16. Week 15, number 18. Week 16, number 23 fantasy quarterback. And, of course, <laughs> he was the number one fantasy quarterback in week 17 when it didn't matter. But still, overall, especially the start to the season, he was so solid And there's no indication, as far as I'm concerned, that that's going to change this year. 4,901 passing yards last year, 30 touchdown passes, and still got it done with his legs. Didn't do as much, but still relatively close. 277 rushing yards, three scores on the ground. So I think it's fair to rank Prescott inside the top five. I'm a little different than some folks out there. I think the the sexy guy, every year there's a sexy quarterback. Last year, Baker Mayfield was the sexy quarterback, and it didn't work out. Sexy in terms of, we think he has this high ceiling, but we're not quite sure, but we're going to rank him there anyway. And this year, it's Kyler Murray. You're going to see Kyler Murray ranked three in a lot of places. I'm not saying I'm down on Kyler Murray by any means. I'm ranked at freaking six, okay? That's that's high, but I'm just not going to be that high given that we have one season, and yes, he finishes the number seven fantasy quarterback, but he was also the number 14 on a per game basis, so I'm not going to be, I'm not going to rank him over Deshaun Watson, who I've seen more out of. I'm not going to rank him over Dak, who I've seen more out of, and I'm not going to rank him, frankly, over Russell Wilson, who I've seen a whole heck of a lot more out of. I, right now, it's pretty close for me between Russell Wilson and Dak. And honestly, I find myself getting Russell Wilson significantly later than Dak. So for me, it's it's kind of like a no brainer. Dak has he's polarizing. There are some people who will draft him at his at his ADP as roughly the fourth quarterback off the board. There are other people who won't. You know, it, it really depends on your take. I, I'm buying in on him in that range. Uh I probably won't get him too often though, because still that puts him as a six round pick. I think if you see Dak fall to the eighth, absolutely scoop him up. Six feels a little too early to draft a quarterback at this point uh in you know in 2020 where we are with the quarterback depth. Anyway, let's move on to those receivers. So we have Amari Cooper, we have Michael Gallup in-house. The team drafts CeeDee Lamb it was almost like a pick they couldn't refuse on draft day. And this certainly complicates things because, hey, I know, I know if you're a draft Nick, I know if you follow college football, that you know very well how good CD Lamb is. But at the same time, he's stepping into a depth chart with an established number one in Amari Cooper, and, and love him or hate him, he is an established number one. And then a guy who took a massive step forward and who was pretty freaking good in college as well, just didn't have the, the pedigree of CD Lamb in Michael Gallup. So the way that I view it is Lamb is going to be the number three, but Lamb is also going to take more targets off the, the 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 table than what we saw with Randall Cobb. So Cooper's target share goes down a little bit, gallops slightly. And there's not enough there to really sustain all three of these guys. You know, for a team to sustain Three, let's say, top thirty fantasy wide receivers. I mean, you need you need like six hundred fifty passing attempts. You need a lot of passing attempts. I have five hundred forty-seven right now for this team. I'm giving um, currently giving Andy Dalton basically a game's worth. I, I always do that with projections at this time of year because uh, it, it's foolish for anybody to project them, you know, to play exactly sixteen full games. Anyway. um, There's not enough in terms of volume here for all three of these guys to be top 30 options, right? And I do actually have Gallup at 29, and then I have Amari Cooper uh, currently at 15. Now, I will tell you, Cooper's going ahead of that in drafts. Cooper is going ahead of that. You're going to see him typically going around wide receiver 12. That puts you at about the third, fourth turn, maybe late third. I feel like he's a little overvalued in that range. I mean, and I'm not even a Amari Cooper hater. I know some people are still Amari Cooper haters from his time in Oakland, which I get it, but I just think he's a little too overvalued given the you know the projections that we're looking at here. He could still be a thousand yard receiver. He could still be a guy who scores six or seven touchdowns, but you're gonna see a lot of CD out there. And the other thing that my big fear with this team is we get a little hot hand right? Like, so this week, you know, it could be a Cooper week, but next week is a Gallup week or it's a CD week, and, and then that becomes pretty challenging. So just exercise some caution with Amari Cooper on your draft board. Same thing with Michael Gallup, and I wouldn't draft Seedy Lamb too high. I like him in Dynasty more than I like him in Redraft. In Redraft right now, I would say i would say probably the third wide out i'm looking and it's not a it's not a knock on him i know some people will say like oh you're crazy no it's not a knock it's just the reality of the situation that he's a number three rugs could potentially be the number one receiver there maybe not the number one target because waller but he's in a much better spot much a clearer path to target so i'd rather take rugs in redraft not in dynasty in redraft I'd actually kind of rather take Judy, and I'll talk about Judy in a minute as well in redraft. So anyway, Blake Jarwin has a little bit of juice. I'm actually ranking him as the number 20 tight end. Could take a step forward this year. You know, There's no Jason Witten there for sure, so you don't worry about that. And yet, I still think he's going to be more of a three for 32 guy, more of a streamer, not a guy who I'm actually targeting in late rounds. And then as for Zeke, we know what Zeke is at this point. He's pretty good and he's really 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 consistent. I mean, when you say highest ceiling at running back. I mean, think to yourself right now. Who has the highest ceiling? Christian McCaffrey, right? Second highest ceiling? I mean, is it Saquon? Is it Kamara? It's all, it's it's debatable. But Zeke's not in that conversation. <laughs> you know, I say third. He's not in that conversation. However, he he has a massive floor. Okay, over the last three years, over the last three years, he's been a top 10 fantasy option in over half of his games. <laughs> that's unbelievable. He's The floor is so high with this guy. The volume is there. Is he the best pure running back in the league? I I think that's debatable, and there are people out there who have that debate, but I don't really care about that debate for fantasy, I'm taking Zeke as the third or fourth running back off the board. I think he could put Kamara ahead of him, and I wouldn't argue with you. I don't know if I move Zeke to the number two running back spot. I think he's either the third or fourth. I really do. And so that means I'm taking him probably either the three, four, or five spot. It depends on where you think Michael Thomas should go. I honestly think Michael Thomas should go number two. Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, then then let's talk running backs after that. But still, Zeke is in that elite tier, and it, and hey, we talk about handcuffs all the time. I'm not a big fan of handcuffing per se. I do sometimes deploy the naked handcuff where you take a handcuff of a guy who you don't own, and if I'm going to do that this year, you, you best believe Tony Pollard is going to be one of those guys, because if Zeke goes down, Tony Pollard, in that offense, we saw the upside last year. He could be electric, so he is definitely worth a stab. Uh, if you're going to take that sort of approach, so anyway, let's move on to Denver, and Denver obviously comes with a lot of questions this year, and it really all rolls downhill from the quarterback position. Can Drew Lock be more than just a guy with potential? Can he actually be a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL? Now he's got a decent enough leash here. The team did not go out and address quarterback. They've basically made it known, for the most part, that Drew Lock is going to be the guy this year, and if he pans out, he pans out. If he doesn't, of course, we've seen teams do this before. They go back to the well. For me, I'm not looking at Locke as a one-quarterback league guy, unless I'm in like a 16-teamer. Then he may end up getting drafted, but I have him, you know, on the outside looking in. Currently, he's sitting at 24 in my ranking, so it's a little too late to be drafted in one-quarterback leagues. It's not bad for two-quarterback, though. You know, as I mentioned, um, at various points on this podcast, when it comes to two quarterback strategy, for me, I like to take two kind of high floor, maybe not the highest ceiling guys to anchor my squad, and then for the third quarterback, I want to, I really want to swing for the fences. So I think you could get away with that with Locke here. Now, of course, he is at least in a good situation because he gets to throw to really a nice set of weapons: Sutton, Judy, even Hamler. Noah Fan, Melvin Gordon, who's a he's a pretty darn good pass catching running back. I mean, you have a really nice situation here. So let's talk about these guys, and maybe I'll talk about Gordon first. Gordon comes over after last year, the debacle that was, and it wasn't even really a debacle when it was all said and done, because once he got back on the field, he was pretty solid. It was just the will he play, when will he play saga that we went through. In the build-up to the draft season, it was it it, it was annoying. (laughs) Holdouts. I get why these guys are holding out. I'll never knock a a, a person for trying to get paid their worth, but for our purposes, it's annoying and it's frustrating, right? When we're playing this game, and that's exactly what we went through last year. And yet, you know, when you had Gordon, I mean, he did come through down the stretch. He had an eighth-place fantasy finish in Week 16. He scored eight rushing touchdowns last year in 12 games, so pretty solid. The problem and the difference between him and if you go back to listen to or if you already have listened to when I previewed the Falcons between him and and Todd Gurley is Gurley steps into a Falcons depth chart where nobody's there like he has no competition for touches. Gordon steps into a crowded house. I mean, sure Devonte Booker is no longer there, but you have Philip Lindsay and you have Royce Freeman already in house, so it's not a situation where Gordon. Is gonna, you know, be a guy who we say is like chalk to get, hit 300 touches. In fact, right now I have him projected at 187 carries, 43 catches. With that sort of volume, it's really going to be hard to get close to RB one production, right? I currently am ranking him uh, at 20, so I think that's a fair fair spot to view him number 20 running back and and really fantasy drafters are are relatively aligned there. I mean, he's currently going as the 17th running back, so maybe a little bit more bullish than I am, but all those guys in that range are kind of tightly bunched. And there are a lot of guys who you kind of don't want to draft, right? Because it's like, this is the Todd Gurley range. This is the Le'Veon Bell range. This is the James Conner range, right? Uh, It's a lot of guys, the David Johnson range. You don't necessarily want to draft them. You sort of pick your poison if you're going to draft a running back in that spot. I don't love it because Lindsey's going to be used. And they're going to use Freeman too. So, and by the way, if Gordon goes down, then giddy up for uh, Phil Lindsay. So that's where we are with those guys. Phil Lindsay, I currently have him ranked uh, outside of the top 30 for obvious reasons. Uh, he comes in at 38 for me. So it's about, I have a 10th round grade on him. I'm not really looking at running backs in that range. I don't see much value to, to owning Lindsay. He's actually going a little bit later in in terms of ADP. He's going at 43, but you know, right in that range, this is the type of guys you're talking about: Jordan Howard, Tevin Coleman, Carryon Johnson, Matt Brady. Are you feeling that confident in those guys? You know, I, I'd feel like I'd much rather just grab Alexander Madison around earlier if he's still on the board, like in round nine. I mean, granted, <laughs> I say that here, you know, in the beginning of July, and maybe in the end of August, we're, say, we're saying something very different about Alexander Madison, but. Anyway, uh moving on to these wideouts, Cortland Sutton, for a brief moment in time, I had him ranked at 12. That was before the draft, though. But there was nobody on this roster. So it was like all the projected targets were going to to Sutton and he was he was feasting. But that all changed when they drafted Jerry Judy in the first round. They also turn come back around, they draft KJ Hamler. Undersized, but blazing fast out of Penn State. So gives him that. Speedy slot presence, and and you have versatility with Judy, great route runner, and then you have this sort of true X receiver in Cortland Sutton. It's a nice combination of receivers. I really like what they've done from a personnel standpoint. From a fantasy standpoint, we can't we we can't view Cortland Sutton as a guy who's knocking on wide receiver one territory anymore. He projects at number twenty four his ceiling is high, there's no doubt about it, so I'm actually a little bit more bullish than my projections, I have him ranked at 21, so 21, when you look at ADP for him, uh, you're probably not going to get him in that range, I keep seeing him go a little bit earlier than that, ADP currently has him at 18, 18 puts you in a fourth round, uh mid to late fourth round is essentially where you're looking at him. I think fifth round's more appropriate, but um, you know, I'm not gonna totally knock taking him there. It's just like Keenan Allen's going after him. I'd rather take Keenan Allen, even though you know people aren't crazy about the situation. Keenan Allen's super high floor. Bob Woods is going after him. I'd rather take Bob Woods. You know, Tyler Lockett is going after him. That's pretty close. I'd probably rather take Tyler Lockett. And, and so there's a couple guys there who are going after him who I would take ahead of him uh, right now, but that's about the range where we're looking at, whereas Judy, like I said, you know, hey, people love rookies. Uh, they do. People always love rookies. I'm not going to go and take Judy, though, too early. I have him ranked at 50. That's an 11th round grade for me. I think it's fine to take a stab on him in the 11th round, I have no issue with that at all. But if you're looking at him like the ninth round, uh, he's technically going in that range right now. It's a little too early. You know, he's going basically in the same range as McCole Hardman, who, by the way, like, yay, McCole Hardman's in the ninth round ADP now. <laughs> but going in that same range, uh, I I think I'd rather go with McCole Hardman, you know, um number twos, but in a better offense. Uh, I'd go with that guy. Uh, As for Hamler, more of a dynasty guy. I'm excited to see what he does in year one, but I'm not looking at him uh, for fantasy purposes in redraft league. So let's talk about Noah Fant. We know this dude is athletic AF. I still can't believe that both he and TJ Hawkinson played on the same college team. It's like Nathan Stanley, the quarterback, you had both of those guys. You should have looked a whole lot better than you looked. But anyway, I mean, he at least did, uh, you know, he's on a roster right now. We'll see if he makes a team or a a practice squad probably more likely. Anyway, uh, Nathan Stanley's numbers declined last year after those guys were out of the mix. But fans showed the ceiling last year. He had two Weeks where he finishes the number two fantasy tight end in week nine and week 14 massive ceiling but the floor is still low he's still a young tight end I don't want to get too far out over my skis on him so I'm viewing him outside of the top 12 you know if you said uh, would you rather take somebody like Hayden Hurst or Noah Fant I'd probably lean slightly Hayden Hurst but it's close I have Hurst at 12 that's why I say Hurst Uh, What about you know Mike Gesicki or Noah Fant again really close I'm gonna go with the guy who has an extra year under his belt though and Gesicki and and fade Fant right now what I do think happens with a lot of people with Noah Fant is they draft Noah Fant they get frustrated they drop him. They move on to another tight end. So he may end up being in the mix as a streamer option at some point during the season if it's a bit of a roller coaster. But I still love his upside. So don't get me wrong there. All right. So there you go. That is it right there. I hope you have a very happy 4th of July. Uh, Yours truly might be tipping back a few adult beverages uh, tomorrow. So maybe you do the same. If not, enjoy whatever it is that you do. And of course, we will be back on Monday. And another pod coming at you in this series. This one's going to be an interesting one. We're going to head to the NFC North. We'll do a little NFC North special with the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. So Detroit, uh, DeAndre Swift joining the mix with Carryon Johnson in that backfield. Matty Stafford Really impressive before the injury last year. Of course, hey, Kenny Galladay, legit top 10 fantasy wideout. But let's not forget, let's not forget about Marvin Jones. And I just mentioned TJ Hawkinson, so what do we think about him? And then, of course, Green Bay, Aaron Jones in that backfield with why'd they draft AJ Dillon? Why didn't they draft a wide receiver? What does that do for Aaron Rodgers? What about Devontae Adams? And is it Jay Sternberger time? Of course, we'll talk about that all on Monday's pod. In the meantime, you can do me a favor, go review the show on iTunes. Honestly, if you're in your iTunes app, you could just scroll down, click the stars. Just click the stars. Rate it. Give me five stars. And if you like to review it, I'd take that as well. It takes you literally two seconds to do. It's so easy, and it really helps me out. I greatly appreciate that. You can follow me on social media at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter and Instagram and use that hashtag, #ratpack. That way I you know you're a listener of the show. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side of the weekend for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.